You're listening to Miscast Commentary. Hey everybody, welcome to Miscast Commentary, a coming attractions episode. I'm Joe Finley, and I'm without Todd Tebow the Sailor Murray this week, just a scheduling thing. It'll, we'll get it fixed, don't worry about it. Now, lots to talk about. Well, one thing to talk about, then one thing to announce, and then I'm going to let you guys go. But we have, well not we, Todd wouldn't do it. I watched the Snyder Cut, and honestly, after all the you know talk we've done about it on here, all of it being negative, I said to myself, I'm going to go in with a very open mind. So I did, and there were things I liked about the movie, and there were things I hated about the movie. And I can see certain things that were improved from the original version, and some things I wouldn't say that got worse, but just were still not good. But yeah, I mean, overall, ugh, that's <laughs> all I got to say. And looking at people, people are just raving about the movie. But again, it's all people, any person, if you look and you saw the word genius or the word masterpiece in their tweet about this movie, if you go into their Twitter, you will find that about 80% of their tweets over the last several months have been about the Snyder Cut. So I don't know if it's uh, these people were going to say it was good no matter what, or if they're in denial or whatever. Basically, anybody who had no stake in it thought it was garbage. And then obviously the people who were like the mega Marvel heads who are like, I'll only like Marvel. I'll never like DC. There's DC stuff I like, but Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman and Justice League are not among those things. It is four hours, guys, four hours. And I mean, you probably heard the jokes by now. Uh, if they cut out all this slow-mo or at least cut down the amount of slow-mo that you could have got that movie on way under four hours. You'd probably get it to about an hour. It was a lot of useless slow-mo. Uh, it felt like a John Woo film for a great deal of it. But I honestly believe that they got to a point and they probably got to about like three hours and 40 minutes or something like that. And then they were like, no, we got we to gotta boost this thing. We got to get it over four hours. Three hours and 40 minutes is an epic. Four hours is epic. So that's what they pushed for. And I, I strongly believe that that's what happened. But here's just a few little notes. I took notes while writing or while watching this movie. So let's have a go. Right off the bat. So you get that. Um, this movie has been uh, made to uh, four by three aspect ratio to uh, preserve the creative vision of the director. People got down on that too much. I thought people were like, oh, there's bars on the sides. People don't seem to remember, you know, all the old fogies complaining about the bars on the top and bottom when HD content started being made and then down converted for SDTV. It's the same thing. Uh, what isn't the same, though, is that means his original vision was closer to IMAX, because IMAX is close to 4x3, not exactly, but it's close to. But the problem is, he didn't shoot it in IMAX. So to say that it was the original vision of the director is kind of suspect when he didn't originally shoot it in that format. Just a thought. I really like Jason Momoa in the movie. Uh, a few times he gets a little too like, yeah, yeah, like he feels like he's from uh, Metallica. But I always love his delivery of like foreign languages. So you got a lot of Dothraki, obviously, in Game of Thrones. And in this one, he's delivering some languages. And it's really, I don't know, he's just really smooth with it. And that was just something I noticed and I really enjoyed it. Go to the Wonder Woman scene. 
And she's stopping the big, not a heist, just they were going to set off a bomb or whatever it was. And she hits the guy and grabs the guy with the lasso and then proceeds to explain how the lasso works. Who was that for? The person in the lasso doesn't need to be told it works for it to work. It just works. If you have to tell the person that it works, then it doesn't work. And it's not for us because we've seen Wonder Woman. Well, you would assume that people watching this will have seen Wonder Woman. I felt a lot of the times in this movie, people making the movie were really dumbing things down for people. And you know what? Like, any movie fan nowadays is a lot smarter than that. DC fans know their stuff when it comes to DC. They're not going to be questioning this. There's not going to be a lot of newcomers to the Snyder Cut if they haven't already seen the previous one. And I will note that I'm saying things that were in the original cut of this as well uh, as I go through it, but I'm just, I'm treating this as like I'm seeing the movie for the first time. It's just the way it is. But anyways, you don't have to reveal how the lasso works. We all know what it is. I also just found that uh, Zack Snyder didn't direct Wonder Woman stuff well. I really hated the speedster aspect of what she did. I actually had to Google. I'm like, is she super fast? And they're like, no, she's got really good reflexes. Okay, so I'll buy the... I know it's a superhero movie. You should just buy everything. But I'll buy the blocking everything with her bracelets there. But I won't buy her like moving really quickly across the room to do it. That's not reaction anymore. That's just being fast. It's like I could see her like just reaching an arm out really quick to stop somebody from getting hit. Uh, and then there's the part of the fight scene too where she's super fast and she's doing... I, I didn't... Ugh. It's not a part of her character. I know Snyder doesn't really follow parts of the characters of these uh, movies a lot, but it's just something that really uh, stood out with Wonder Woman for me. Uh, Steppenwolf got an upgrade. Well, not an upgrade, an update uh, in this movie. The look was really no better. It was just different. I don't know if maybe when they were redoing this movie, because obviously since the movie had come out, Infinity War and Endgame came out, and he had a striking resemblance, uh, at least in style, to uh, Thanos' minions there. So I'm wondering if that had a lot to do with the redesign, but it wasn't an improvement. They made him a little beefier, and that's it. I hated the mumbling at the beginning. He sounded like Bane at the beginning of uh, Dark Knight Rises. And then it got better through the movie, but not spectacular. It just the, the performance, the animation, and the design just all fell through for Steppenwolf. And then to call this thing the Snyder Cut at four hours long, it was like, I don't know what the deal was. Just it wasn't the Snyder Cut anymore. It was the Snyder put everything back in, plus go shoot some extra scenes and then put those in and leave no frame of film unused. It was, a, uh, it was a bit of a mess. There was just a lot of stuff. I mean, I was watching the movie and God, I think it was like 45 minutes in and I'm sitting there. I'm like, nothing has happened yet. There was very little. And I mean, it wasn't even good character stuff or anything like that. You got a little bit of cyborg character stuff, which was good. It was an improvement, but it was just a lot of nothing happening. I find that the uh, keyframe animation in these movies are pretty rough with the, uh, the DC movies in general. Uh, I don't know if they're just trying for a different style so it's not look 
so they're not being accused of copying what Marvel was doing. But you know what? Copying what Marvel was doing, what they do, it looks good. Um, they had a few good things with Superman. I really like that. I think they did it in Man of Steel and they did it in this where you have that moment where he kind of like crouches down and you like the ground vibrates around. I like that. But then when he takes off, it's I don't know. Oh, when he takes off, isn't bad. When people land, though, it becomes problematic. There's a scene where Wonder Woman like jumps down through this hole and like she falls at like meteor speed for some reason. She doesn't jump down fast. Gravity took her. Why didn't she go, like, super-duper fast? I don't know. Again, was it a uh, decision? But then with all that fast stuff, again, like I said, the slow-mo in this movie. Just so much slow-mo. I'm going to forgive some of the f- the Flash slow-mo because they're doing that for his style of moving around and stuff like that, which, again, I didn't think was any better than anything that done in the Marvel movies. Uh, I think that probably... The most memorable of them would have been the uh, Quicksilver stuff in the X-Men movies, but it's just weird. It was just very weird. I also had a huge problem with the score because it was just all over the place. Like, you would have some callbacks to some old themes, Man of Steel themes and stuff like that, which is good. That's good movie making and a good score and all that kind of stuff. Then you would just have these weird songs... That would just be in, which is a very Snyder thing, and I never really care for that. And then you would have these vocal bits, and like you, you see somebody like uh, Lord of the Rings who did it really well, where you had like the little boy choir there or whatever uh, singing the song, you know, towards the end, or uh, having like the chants during the uh, Moria scenes and stuff like that. That worked really well. I was so taken out of the movie almost every time Wonder Woman appeared on screen because all of a sudden you just had like <laughs> for like the entire time. And then you'd get like just a little flash of her Wonder Woman theme, then back to and I'm just Ugh. and then they had that scene where the uh, the fishermen's wives or whatever it was were like seeing Aquaman off with the world's longest song. I get it. Felt pretty reminiscent of the funeral scene in uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, but that's neither here nor there. An hour into the movie, there's the flashback scene to tell you, like, the last time this battle took place. And it looks identical to three. It looks like they took it out of a 300 uh, sequel. It looks like they took it out of a 300 sequel that just didn't get made. And it was, again, you're you're not getting a lot of anything. It was cool also it was pretty uh reminiscent of lord of the rings the prologue uh because again you just get this past thing you've got characters that you've seen before that you see who are immortal and all these different things and it was just like okay yeah i get it these people fought him before and but the style was just so 300 and it was just again every time something happens in a movie and you have to stop and start thinking about a different movie i mean that's just not good that's not a good thing i did like seeing a lantern in that scene though because i think that you know people were calling for a lot of different things for justice league different characters that they wanted to see and stuff like that i would assume that the green lantern would have been among the highest despite the green lantern movie being what it was i think that that's a movie that can be done well by somebody but uh, it was good to see that because it alludes to something that could be coming in the future should they ever be allowed to make a movie again. So I was down with that. I liked the scenes with uh, Cyborg and his dad, 
but hated the scene where Cyborg's dad cries over his comatose body or dying body or what have you. It was some of the worst cry acting I've ever seen. It was so quickly did they get off of his face. So like, you just had that one scene and he starts, he goes, and then it instantly cuts to a shot of his back. And where I guarantee you they made him do uh, ADR or something like that because that was just... I hate judging people. Like, all any one of these people can out-act me. That's not what I'm getting at here. But it was just abysmal. I've never seen that that bad. Because I think that usually when it's like a kid, like your kid dying in a movie, I feel like people can really draw from what that would feel like and how horrifying that would be or knowing somebody who lost a kid or something like that. But it's just like, it's like the concept never occurred to him. And then they were like, be sad about it. Huh? That's my take. More cyborg stuff I didn't care about. I did not like his cyborg is in the internet scene. I've seen that too many times in bad movies. And I think that they could have just as easily shown him you know, with the voiceover of, like, the things they were talking about, about the decisions he could make and all that stuff. He could have just shown him actually seeing that woman going through some of that of those things. They could have been in the same building as her dad or whatever, and then have that thing happen at the ATM, and then you see him in the background, and you see, oh, he did something. I think that that would have been... Again, I I feel like people believed that the people watching the movie wouldn't have understood what was happening uh, if they didn't do exactly that. And it was really, really dumb that he's like raises his hand and then the money goes up. It was, eesh. I'm not going to fault them for giving some background origin story exposition uh, to The Flash, but it was just, it was spit out so quickly and all at once that it felt kind of disrespectful. Uh, the reason that they got away with that in Civil War with Spider-Man was because he had been an established guy who had had a million movies with his origin story already. People were clamoring to not see his origin story anymore. So you didn't need that anymore. So I think you get it in, what, two lines in all of Civil War, between Civil War and uh, Spider-Man Homecoming? And that was enough. Now, The Flash deserves a little bit more, and I felt like he got so little. And I don't know what the plan is for his Flash movie. I don't think his origin story is a part of it, because it's supposed to be the, what that Flashpoint timeline thing or whatever, so that puts him well ahead of his origins. So literally, it's just him in jail talking to his dad and going, oh yeah, you were accused of a crime you didn't commit, and you're in jail, and I'm going to join the police and you're going to get free. Like, that's the whole thing. It's just all one sentence. It's like, okay, I guess we got this covered. Page two. Overall, like I said, I didn't really care for any of the speedster effects in this. I've seen it done better is just the problem. It's when you have characters with similar abilities like this, you're going to just compare it to what you've seen already, and it was just better <laughs> in the other ones. I like, you know, they did, you know, the MCU went the route of just making him be fast the whole time and just you watching how the world reacts to him that way. And then the X-Men version, you got the super slow-mo and those effects and stuff like that. And so the effects here, you were comparing them and they weren't as good. There's no point in this movie where the special effects were as good as anything Marvel has given you. And... You know, you got to be mindful of that. I liked Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I liked Jeremy Irons as everything, so that was pretty much a given. 
I'm always of the opinion with Alfred's that there needs to be some kind of a balance because they've really been leaning more and more towards this kind of like militant soldier of fortune in his past kind of thing, which is a part of his backstory and all of that. But it just seems to be more and more like as they're casting older and older people to do this. Well, I guess nobody was as old as Alfred Goff, but um, V, I think it's pronounced Goff. It's go or Goff, but either way, you know, he's less of the servant of Bruce Wayne and the advisor of Bruce Wayne and more like Q to Bruce Wayne's James Bond in this one, uh, which, okay, whatever. Uh, I feel like that's better suited for the younger, less experienced Batman. Uh, Gotham, it made more sense. Uh, I didn't like Gotham, but that's neither here nor there. The Batman that's coming out with Andy Serkis as Alfred could probably stand a little bit of that. I don't know, but bottom line is I liked Jeremy Irons. I think they gave him decent dialogue, and they inserted him enough that he wasn't there too much, but he was he was there, and I was overall happy with him. Can we talk about how badly they just wanted to be dark and edgy? It's like, we gotta make this movie a rated R movie. What are you gonna do? Show a lot of blood? No. Wouldn't matter anyways. Our color grading was so garbage that you wouldn't be able to tell if it was blood. It might It'd be like playing uh, Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo when just gray comes out. But we're just going to add... All you need is two F words. So we're going to say fuck. And we're going to say it twice. And that's going to make us dark and edgy and make us rated R. Check us out. And then they're like, no, no, no. We're going to say it a third time. You know, when Batman says he's going to fucking kill somebody the way that Batman never says he's going to kill anybody ever because Batman never kills anybody. (sighs) It's, again, they're just trying to be something so different and they're doing the bare minimum to do it. I had it up to here. I'm not showing you where, but it's high. Uh, With the Amy Adams sad and alone scenes during the movie. You needed the one at the beginning that establishes her giving the coffee to the cop because it comes back, so I'm down with that. You didn't need the other two where she's just like looking out a window or reaching over for the pillow. Totally pointless. I would also give you the one with Martha because that makes sense as well. Uh, I feel like it was just they had her. And they felt bad not using her more. I don't know what it was, but it was just it was just a bucket of yuck. It's like, okay, we get it. Lois misses Clark. We're we're on it. It felt at one point it's like, oh, are we gonna check back in with her every fifteen minutes just to see how she still feels about the scenario? Okay, we go underwater and we have conversations underwater. I uh, I liked the create the bubbles so people you know, the big bubbles so people could uh have a conversation that was great really breaks up an action scene though you get into these moments and then you know uh steppenwolf's got her there and then all of a sudden a bubble comes up (laughs) i'm just like okay maybe go without the dialogue there or start the conversation where like you're in a bubble already and he comes down into it then you can say what you need to have said and then go from there uh but to interrupt your fight for a bubble so you could get in a quick line uh it was again it really breaks up the rhythm of a fight one hour and 52 minutes in this movie and we finally get to see batman like just proper i'm in the moment i'm in the scene there's not a flashback it's not a dream it's nothing just batman is batman about to do batmany things and 
that's halfway through a four hour movie. You know what I mean? Like there's six main characters in this movie and you didn't get to see one of their alter egos until the until halfway through the movie. That just blows my mind. I don't know, were they treating it like the jaws of the movie or something like that? It was not great. Just a little nitpicky thing. Cyborg moves weird. I noticed it a few times. There's one time he moved kind of like 80s rap, and then there's another time when he was moving more like Peter Weller in the first RoboCop when he's like malfunctioning and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't think that they worked on a uh, kind of a choreography, for lack of a better term, for how he was going to move around. It was awkward. It was weird. Um, I noticed every single time he walked anywhere that that's how it was. Of all the people in the Justice League, so Superman's not here yet at this point, but of all the people in the Justice League to be fighting the demons, why was it Batman? Or why was it Batman in the way that he did it? Because Wonder Woman would have a good handle on that. Aquaman would probably have a pretty good handle on that. Cyborg you know, probably has a cool array of weapons. And so does Batman. But Batman used no tech. He was just full-on fist-fighting with these things. When you've already had that flashback, that 300 flashback we talked about, where you saw gods have a hard time with them being kind of overrun by them or whatever. So now you take the only human, and it's like, ah, you're responsible for all this. He had no business fighting those guys. It's a line I noticed... Uh, in the movie when uh, they're getting ready uh, to do battle and Wonder Woman says, you should get dressed to Aquaman. And I'm like, get dressed. What a weird way. Like, it took me right back again to uh, Avengers when everybody's saying suit up, right? And I was like, suit up, that sounds like a call to action. You know, get dressed is like, oh, we're going to church and somebody doesn't want to do it. I was just, yeah. Okay, the Flash was just too much in this movie. They made him this weird quip machine. Like, he didn't have, other than, like, one scene, really, everything was just him trying to be funny. Like, I'm the comic relief, and you have to know that because I'm only making jokes, and none of my jokes are good. It was more annoying than anything else. I'm not a huge fan of Ezra Miller, in general, I didn't think he was good in Fantastic Beasts. I don't think he was good in this. But just the overall tone that they gave him. So you create this movie that's super duper dark because you said the F word three times. Uh, and then you have him just being like, hey, we're still funny, right, guys? Hi, guys. And he sounded a lot like um, Justin Long if he was one of the nerds in an episode of Saved by the Bell. That was basically how he talked most of the time. Or if you want to re really narrow it down to a person, it's the guy who played Mouse in The Matrix when he says the word tuna fish. You listen to that, and then you listen to The Flash, and you're like, oh, I totally get it. That's his actor's secret, is that he's Mouse from The Matrix. I enjoyed the uh, Superman 2 Dad voiceover scene. Uh, it was a proper callback to the uh, the movies. That That's how you do this sort of a thing, and it was... An important moment, it was like kind of his, it was his call to action, and I thought that that was well done. I know that I'm not saying as many positive things as I am saying negative, but I do, like, I, I want you to know that I really regarded the movie and, like, thought about every scene. I had no intention of just crapping on anything, but it's just every now and again, I'd just be like, oh my god. But this movie didn't do, or 
but this scene didn't do that for me, so good job. Um, I mentioned the color grading already in this thing. Uh, people are like, oh, this is genius cinematography. There's some good shots in the movie where what they did was warranted, but for the bulk of the movie, it's just they just made it darker and harder to see. It was like this movie would have been a nightmare to watch at the drive-in if drive-ins were a thing right now. Uh, but yeah, just overall, he just does that. His people are like, oh, no, this was so good for the tone. I'm like, no, he does it for every movie. He did it for The Watchmen. He did it for Sucker Punch. He did it for Man of Steel. He did it for Batman versus Superman. Uh, it's like the only movie he didn't do it for was, uh, well, The Watchmen kind of comes in and out of it depending on where you're at and so it's like okay maybe a bit better there because but there was color in that movie uh and then like dawn of the dead that was it but it's just i don't know it's just not good i'm not saying that the the coloring of the whedon thing was any better i do think that the black superman suit was a necessary thing just because that's part of the comics and uh, that was an appreciated thing to see i think at the end of the movie he shouldn't have still been wearing the black one i think well you know when you get that epilogue pull the uh shirt open i think it should have been the red and blue one again because you know he's not the dark Superman forever, but that's just an opinion thing. That's not something that would have ruined the movie. Like that wouldn't have been the thing to tip the scales for me or anything like that. The group shot, uh, that you've seen in Avengers and Avengers two, uh, the, well, actually, I guess the one, this one's more reminiscent of Avengers age of Ultron than the first Avengers. That one was a group shot that like panned around them. Uh, this was that everybody jumping into action one. Uh, it already existed again. They said, Oh man, he's so genius. Like nobody's done something like this. Yeah. It was in one of the worst Marvel movies, but that's fine. I just, something I noticed in the scene why was the Flash going the same speed as everybody else? Like, did he have to slow down so he could be in there in time for this, like, shot? Was it a uh, a roller coaster photo opportunity or something like that? You would think that, hey, you're the fastest guy, you have another job to do. But no, you're going to run the same speed as a car, and we'll just go with, we'll just go with that. He can go light speed, guys. That car can't go light speed. Okay, then you get Superman in the battle. Okay, like the whole Superman resurrection thing, notwithstanding, I that was expected and that was kind of that was fine. I had no issue with that. Uh, but then he'd bring him back into battle, and then you just point out again how useless the Justice League is. He like comes in and cleans house in like minutes. He just bam, 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 takes this guy out, does this, and then they had that whole bit of uh killing Steppenwolf where. You know, everybody's doing stuff to him after Superman's already taking care of the job. And it was just like, that would be like, you know, a chef making, you know, the best plate in the world. And then me grabbing the plate out of his hand and putting it on your table and said, I helped too, guys. Like, it was horrifying. It's just a fact about Superman and the way that he was created uh, in these comics and in all other previous lore. It makes... I don't know, it makes everything about him very boring to me. Uh, there are th struggles that he could be having, and I'm glad they didn't go some kind of like kryptonite route. I always hate when they do that, but it's the only thing they can really do to make him, oh, you're, you're weak for a minute so we can deal with something. But yeah, go home, Justice League. Superman's back. So we get to the three-hour and 30-minute point. I know the movie's four hours, and I see that the movie's coming to an end. And I'm like, oh, we're uh, 
we're at the end of this movie already, and I know there's a lot of movie left, and I started thinking, oh my god, is this, this going to have uh, credits from The Mandalorian or WandaVision at the end of it? That's just going to be 30 minutes of credits? But no, it was just an epilogue. Now, people who know what an epilogue means would know that that's something you do to say, hey, here's where the characters went after we have concluded our story. Now, the whole idea, or what my assumption of the idea is, is that they want to make more of these. Now, I don't know if this is Snyder just saying, oh, my tale is complete, or this is some kind of weird message or something like that, which it probably is. Everything's a bloody weird message in this thing. But... Like, Lord of the Rings did it because there wasn't going to be a Lord of the Rings 4. Justice League did it for no real purpose. You could have, like, had little bits of, like, shots. And I think that's kind of how they did it the first time. But then that happened. And then you have the whole added reshot stuff, which is just tacked on at the end, which was the nightmare sequence followed by the Martian Manhunter thing. The nightmare sequence, it was really, I watched it like probably about 18 hours into it being out. And I kept seeing tweets about how the Batman and Joker conversation is the best one that ever existed. No, it was, it was fine. There's nothing to really like rag on about it, but there was nothing special about it. The dialogue wasn't that good. It was performed fine. You know, Jared Leto didn't do anything new. He just was what he was in Suicide Squad and nobody seemed to like that. So I don't really know. Uh, what the point was. The only thing was he was dimmer and had longer hair. But uh, yeah, it was just a dumb conversation and Batman weirdly taunting him and again saying he was definitely going to kill him, which is not a thing that happens. Uh, and then the Joker said basically what Heath Ledger's Joker said in The Dark Knight. So one part of it was copied. The other part was pointless and the two guys were never on set together to act together for one minute, which shows they're literally cutting back and forth between two people. And it's it's that really bad, like you see that in The Room or in like Birdemic. You're not supposed to see that in a movie that cost an additional $100 million after the movie had already come out. The Martian Manhunter thing, that was fine. Wasn't a huge fan of the look of the Martian Manhunter. He looked kind of like a slightly redone vision, if I'm being honest, and acted kind of like one too. But whatever, that's fine. Martian Manhunter, a sign of things to come. Great, I'm, I'm on board with that. Just very weird that it just immediately followed that nightmare thing. And then they just forced in a little bit extra of Joe Manganiello in that nightmare thing as well, where he looked like Cable. So... This is the problem with comics in general, because this happens on, you know, there's good people on both sides, guys. This happens on both sides where you're like, oh, man, this this guy's just a ripoff of this guy from the DC universe. And then, oh, this DC guy's a ripoff of this guy from the Marvel universe. It's like, you know, everybody came up with their answer to some other guy. So I get that. But then like that one was pointless. He's not an answer to Cable. They just had to make him look apocalyptic. And they were like, oh, Cable's apocalyptic. Let's just kind of go that route without the uh, cybernetic stuff. But one thing I did truly appreciate and uh, love about the movie was its uh, dedication at the end for Autumn. You know, people who don't know, uh, the main reason he was off of the picture is because he lost his kid who died of suicide. And... You know, I'm never going to crap on that. 
and you know my opinions about the film don't reflect my opinions about the person uh it's just it's a sad thing i've lost somebody to suicide and it's devastating and i'm willing to bet that the support that he received from his fans you know in terms of the whole Snyder Cut thing probably was a big thing for him, and I can really appreciate that now. I mean, I wouldn't push for that just to make him feel better. You know, I would, in my own way, if he gave a crap about who I was, would, you know, reach out to him in a personal manner. But it would, uh, yeah, no, it was just a lot. And to acknowledge that that's kind of where things left off the first time and to you know, have that moment for his, for his kid was, uh, really big. It's it, like, it genuinely like is heartbreaking and I have nothing, you know, uh, but love in my heart for him and his family for that. I, you know, I could separate the two things. I always hate that when, you know, you hear somebody talk about a director or whatever it is like, Oh, that guy's crap, blah, blah, blah. Unless it's like a, the Joss Whedon, like people are crapping on Joss Whedon, not because of, you know, how good or bad his movie was it was how good or bad the person was and you know i don't want to be r-rated here but fuck joss whedon you know if half of what they say about him is true and i believe that a lot more than half of it is true uh that uh then yeah fuck that dude it's that's not acceptable and yeah no i'm sorry to uh, end this on a weird bummer moment but uh you know my heart goes out to the snyder family and I did not like the movie all at the exact same time. I would say that if I gave uh, the original Justice League like a 2 out of 10, that I'm giving this maybe a 3.5. You know, it's not... I, and that's not even true. I maybe maybe even down to a 3, just because it's... Uh, there are moments that are improved because of what they added, things that they added back in, like, again, more cyborg stuff, and it felt more ensemble in that aspect. I think that... I genuinely believe that what they were doing with that movie, I think, because there was a lot of kind of accusations about why he was cut out and stuff like that, and I would believe more that it had just to do with the fact that not enough people know cyborg you know, the the lay person who's going into this movie doesn't really give a crap about Cyborg, uh, but they know Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, Superman. Uh, so if you're cutting four hours of stuff down to, God, what was the first movie? Two and a half hours, whatever it was. Uh, he's probably going to be the first one to take a hit. And I would say that The Flash was probably the second in that. But... I also totally get where he's coming from with those kind of accusations when if Joss Whedon's being the guy that he's being, you're going to have some feelings about that and about what that might mean. So, so yeah, but anyways, so the things that they improved by putting back in, you know, raised the score up, but then the fact that it was so long because they felt like they just put everything back in, including a bunch of stuff that just didn't need to be there. You could have easily gotten this movie to about three hours and 20 minutes, maybe 3.30 Probably not 3.30, I would say 3.20 would have been a good director's cut of this movie, and it would have been very serviceable. I don't think you would have lost anything particularly important, uh, and you probably would have lost a bunch of stuff that was particularly redundant. So, uh, yeah, that's my really long review of that movie, guys. Thanks for uh, sticking it out with me. But let's talk about next week. Let's talk about a real good movie. <laughs> 
Uh, Todd really badly wanted to watch this movie and talked me into it. And we watched it a while ago and now you're going to hear us watch it. And it's going to be a whole thing. We watched showgirls. I had not seen that movie since I think it came out, uh, on video and yeah, it was like VHS days, baby. So, uh, it was quite a trip to go back and watch that. And, uh, let's have a listen to the trailer. There's a spot open in the chorus line. We're auditioning tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. I got an audition! Okay, ladies. I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. From the creators of Basic Instinct. The last time... They took you to the edge. This time, they're taking you all the way. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they want to see. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. She's going down to the stardust. She's going to be in the show. Right? If someone gets in your way, step on them. It's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about power. You're a stripper, don't you get it? I'm a dancer. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's what Las Vegas is all about. The passion is real. I can fall in love with you. The desire is intense. You can't touch me, but I can touch you. I'd really love to touch you. And the show is about to begin. Showgirls. Leave your inhibitions at the door. So that's it, guys. Strap in, strap on. We're going to watch Showgirls next week. Uh, by all means, uh, join along if you can. Uh, it's on Amazon, I think. I think it's part of the monetized version. You can rent it or you can uh, get the free preview of whatever portion of Amazon it is. Uh, I'm sure you can find it. I'm sure a bunch of you perverts have it already. So, uh, yeah, watch along with us. We're doing Showgirls, and we hope you like it. Just from a personal standpoint, I do have... Not much of an announcement. There's not a lot I can say about it right now, but uh, as far as uh, my work with uh, Dueling Decades goes, that's going to have some uh, exciting stuff coming up in the near future, in the next couple of months anyways. And uh, my streaming, uh, at Miscast Joe, well, not at Miscast Joe, just Miscast Joe, uh, twitch.tv slash Miscast Joe, uh, that is going to be seeing an improvement in the next couple of weeks as well because I'm getting a new computer that can handle that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, if you want to be ready for that, go on twitch.tv slash Miscast Joe and give me a follow, and then you'll uh, get notifications when I'm going live, and you can watch and uh, make fun of me or tell me how how wrong I was about the Snyder Cut or any old thing. I hope to see you there. Uh, as always, uh, find us at miscastcommentary.com. Email us podcast at miscast, podcast at miscastcommentary.com. Uh, on Twitter 
at Miscast Podcast. I'm at Miscast Joe. Todd's at Miscast Todd. We're at Miscast Commentary on Instagram. And uh, all those good things. You can find us everywhere. You can uh, join our Discord, which we're still trying to kind of build right now and stuff like that. So we welcome you. You can look forward to an episode of Mia on Tooling Decades next week on Wednesday. Uh, my current episode just came out last Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, when I was with Scott Schiaffo from uh, Clerks. So go and check that out. It was a fun episode. He's Scott's a great guy. And until next week with Showgirls, we'll see you later. This has been Miscast Commentary with your hosts, Joe Finley and Todd Murray. Executive producer, Joe Finley. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Visit www.miscastcommentary.com for all news related to the podcast. Miscast Commentary is a Miscast Media Production. 